From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Chase Palmer. Today I'm going to spend an hour with Richard Cross, the host of Sports Talk Mississippi on the uh, Super Talk Mississippi web network. Sorry, not website. Network. All the radio affiliates throughout the uh, the state and online. We're going to talk to him about uh, the state flag. We're going to talk about Colin Hill's uh, statement yesterday as far as he would not play into, for Mississippi State until the state flag has changed, where Richard thinks that process is right now. And then a lot of stuff just about the legislature, about the Ole Miss administratively, we cover a lot of topics. We take a look back to uh, that vote from 2001, and we get into some sports as well. We discuss whether we think football is going to be played, and we talk a lot of college baseball. Richard and I are both big college baseball guys. We discuss uh, the season that never was for Ole Miss, looking ahead to next year, some stuff on Mike Bianco and more. So, again, spending about an hour with Richard on the show. They're brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Speed Pass Plus app. Take advantage of that. It is the safest way to get fuel because you just have to use the app. Pay right there on it, download it, and it will take care of you. Also, go next door to the Oxford Crystal. Use the drive-thru to uh, purchase some uh, some food, and maybe you're uh, you're fueling up a Ford from Clark Ford. That's 662-257-1900, Highway 25 South in Amory. Corey wants to be your truck guy, wants to be your car guy, and he will take care of you. You get a discount if you mention the podcast. You get great service and much more. So, again, 662-257-1900. And Richard joins me on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters on the water out in Sardis. Even if you're maybe not comfortable going inside yet, you can eat outside. You can take advantage of uh, somebody serving you and get back to at least a little bit of normal when it comes to uh, to dining. Rafters on the water there in Sardis. And we'll jump straight into uh, the call. Here's myself talking to Richard Cross. Richard, good afternoon. Trying to warm you up a little bit. It's around 1 o'clock as we are recording. You've got your own show coming up here in a uh, in, in a bit. But I want to cover some Mississippi stuff. You and I, we, we played golf together about a month ago. We really haven't talked much about this. Didn't have much of a pre-show about it. Uh, start off with the newest news. Colin Hill says uh, that he won't play unless the, uh, unless the flags change. When you first heard it, what kind of went through your head? And where do you sort of take the temperature of just sort of the athletics, the Mississippi players, and them realizing that, you know, they do have some power right now. You know, I was not at all surprised that a player stepped up and said, I'm not playing under the flag. Um, you know, that it was Kylan Hill, that it was maybe the most important player to Mississippi State. Maybe a, a little bit of surprise uh, that he was the one that did it, but yeah, not blown away. And Chase, like, like you guys, been talking to a lot of people and I since I don't know Thursday or Friday of last week I floated the idea to a few people with regard to the flag change okay what if somehow Ole Miss and Mississippi State players come together and put together a unified front and they say we're not playing under the current flag and you know Right or wrong, I decided I was not going to talk about that on the air uh, until it happened because, uh, frankly, I didn't ultimately want – and I'm not saying that it would have been like this, but I didn't want the label of, well, nobody was talking about that, and then Richard Cross said that, and somebody picked up on it, and then, okay, so it's Richard's fault that, mm-hmm. you know, sure. uh, 200 football players have decided to boycott playing football in the SEC. Um, but it was something that I was thinking about, and, and I don't think it was a, a. You guys may have talked about the exact same thing because I don't think it was a big jump when you look around the country and you see what's going on, and you see the empowerment that um, uh, that athletes, whether it's at the college level or the the professional level, not only not only that it, it seems like they've got it for the first time, and, and maybe that's not the right way to put it, but it's like they're taking advantage mm-hmm. of the power that they've realized that they have. Um, look, I mean, I, I'm very much on record as, as wanting to see the, uh, the flag change. I understand the frustration that, uh, that a lot of people have with kind of being told what to do. And I know there's been some pushback with, uh, you know, how dare Greg Sankey or Mark Hammer trying to tell us what to do. We, we're not going to be pushed around. Sure. And, and my response to that has kind of been, well, okay, but we had 20 years 
and before that, 120 years, to kind of do it on our own, and it hasn't gotten done. And so maybe a good swift kick in the seat of the pants is what, as a state, we needed, and I don't really care how mad it makes us because it needs it needs to happen. And, you know, you obviously are from Mississippi, grew up in Amory. We moved here when I was eight from West Tennessee. My mom grew up in Mississippi. Uh, I mean, this has been my home for 32 years, and I'm, uh, unlike some of the people that I've seen on social media, I'm embarrassed to be a Mississippian. I'm not embarrassed to be a Mississippian. I'm proud of my home state. I'm proud of race relations in our state. I'm kind of on the record to say I would put our race relations up against anybody's because it's how we've lived for for decades now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I feel like we get along. It's kind of a long-winded answer to say, I, I want to see this changed, not so Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Southern Miss can host a baseball regional, although that is important, and not so, you know, the, the tennis teams can host, you know, the SEC tournament at, at their facilities, though that also is important. I want to see it change because it's the right thing to do, and it's an opportunity to help us as a state move forward uh, economically, jobs, potentially keeping more people here after college, uh, it's just the right thing to do. So that, that may have been more words than you wanted, but no. kind of where my thoughts are. Well, question and a comment. Uh, I, and I said this on the show, um, and I think you probably agree with this to some extent, even though we haven't talked about it. My one frustration is not that necessarily Greg Sankey said something or that somebody said something or that, or that sports even is going to be the thing that maybe moves the style when – you know, like you said, right thing to do hasn't been to this point. Societally, it hasn't been to this point. Economically, it hasn't been to this point. So maybe sports is the thing that enough unifying factors can get behind. My one frustration, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead into my question, is that I don't know what Ole Miss and State are necessarily supposed to do about it. They haven't flown this thing since 2015. You know as well as I do, you and I both have a lot of interest in it, that this legislature in Mississippi is not the easiest thing in the world to operate through and to get this thing changed no matter what these colleges think. I guess that's my point, is you run into a deal where you're potentially punishing schools because, look, I don't think it's some guarantee this thing's getting done in the next couple months. I think it's possible it's in January. I think it's possible we do this for a while. I don't know how you are able to do this as a conference in some ways because the schools in your membership, they're already on record saying they do not support it and they've taken the thing down. It's becoming their responsibility in a way that I don't know that I'm overly comfortable with. And I guess my question, do you feel like there was any semblance of not backroom dealings, but obviously the schools knew it was coming from Sankey. What, what, what do you feel like and just your best estimation, the, the conversations were that led up to that? Yes, I, so I get what you're saying, and I don't necessarily agree with you, and I might even take it one step further. Okay. You know, the, the schools in the state of Mississippi have chosen not to fly the flag at, theoretically, their own detriment when it comes to funding, because the legislature has to improve, approve funding, and there are a lot of people who have said, look, yeah. if you don't want to fly the state flag, that's fine. We just want to approve the funding. Thankfully, it hasn't gotten to that point. Sure. Um and I think it hasn't gotten to that point because there are a lot of people that know the flag needs to come down and, and certainly doesn't need to be flying on our on our colleges and, and university campuses. Sure. Um, I have been told that Greg Sankey, um, one, knew that the announcement was coming from the NCAA and decided to get out in front of it. And two, just he felt compelled on behalf of the student-athletes at other schools in the conference's footprint to make a statement that was more than just words. And I know a lot of people are not Greg Sankey fans, uh, especially out of the Ole Miss fan base. I get that. Um, I think he's a bright guy, and, and I think he's well-intentioned here. This is not a, a gotcha thing. He, he is, by the way, self-aware enough to know that he is not on the Christmas card list for uh, for a bunch of Ole Miss fans as well. Um, so, so I'd say that kind of as the as the first part of it. Um, you know, is in terms of is it right? No, it's not. But at some point, fix it. And you say, well, the schools don't have the ability to fix it. Well. Is there anything that we've seen that has given us more positive more momentum, whether it happens this week or 
in January or November a year from now. Sure. Toward actually getting this done, then the NCAA saying no championship events and the SEC saying uh, no predetermined sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, the speaker gun was on with us on uh, on Friday. A couple, I'll come back to that in just a second. Okay. Um, sure. Speaker gun was on with us on Friday, and he described um, the the letter from the SEC and then subsequent from the NCAA is um, a game changer. And I thought that's interesting. So it's a game changer because now there's the threat of actual harm coming to uh, the state economically based on the flag. There's been a lot of kind of conjecture about that. It's a past. tangible well, point. The, yeah. 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 Um, you know, the, the, the businesses you know, might not come or whatever, but it, it's been hard to find like real concrete examples of financial downfall in the state based on the current state flag. And this is, you know, exhibit A of that. And and to that point, he said it was a game changer. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, uh, Mark Keenum was, was on with us Friday afternoon as well. Mm-hmm. He was uh, kind enough, kind of in the middle of all that going on, to spend a few minutes with us. And he kind of described that uh, that he and Dr. Boyce had gotten the heads up from the chancellor, uh, or, excuse me, from the commissioner, uh, from Greg Sankey, that that was – Going, that release was going to happen, and then early in the day on Thursday, I guess that was the, it was Thursday night when the, the release came from, from the SEC, there was a conference call with Greg Sankey and all 14 SEC presidents, not athletics directors, but presidents, okay. where he announced um, to the entire league, I mean, think about this, I mean, feeling like, I don't know if it's like a visit to the principal's office or not, but you know, normally punishment happens privately. He got all 14 presidents on one call and said, this is what we're doing to Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And everybody was supportive of it. And at least from the public statements I've heard, Ole Miss and Mississippi State are not really all that mad at the SEC for what they've done. No, no, I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah. But I just I, I just kind of thought that that was a, uh, you know, there's some meetings that happen where you go, man, I'd love to be on that call with a mute button and nobody know that I was there or or kind of in that meeting room uh, and just kind of listen to the tone and listen to the tenor. This is, I mean, this feels like, um, I'm not trying to go conspiracy theory or anything like that. And I'm not trying to go chicken little, but if, if as a state we drag our feet on this for another couple of years, let's say we look up two years from right now, and the flag hasn't changed. Are you going to be surprised if another one of those calls happens with all fourteen presidents, and they say, "All right, Doctor Keenum, Doctor Boyce, you have six months to change the flag. Either change it or go find another league to play in." Would that surprise you? No, I don't think so. And then that's the deal. I mean, Neil and I talk about it a good bit. Him more than me is. If you're Mississippi schools right now, from an SEC standpoint, there's going to be another alignment coming. We're in the middle of budget cuts everywhere. You, we don't know if there's a football season or what this thing's going to look like. You've got to do everything you can to accentuate your positives and get rid of as many negatives as possible. you you got to put your own house in order and go, hey, if there's something weird happened, we don't want to be what, what's weird about it. I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, you know, Maybe we're being a little hyperbolic on timelines and things, but to completely disregard it I think would be foolhardy at the same time. And the other piece of it is, I think ultimately the flag is going to be changed. I'm not sure the, the timeline. But well, I, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked to see us have it, to deal this for a year, though. No, and, and Philip Gunn said to us on Friday because I asked you, you know, he talked about the you know the votes needed in the legislature to you know suspend the rules, two thirds on a procedural basis, and then the fifty percent. And but but the other thing, and, and I, I listened to uh, part of the podcast you guys did yesterday. I don't think I heard you mention this. That there's a wild card in this. If the House and the Senate pass a new flag bill at, let's just say, fifty-four percent, you know, sure. whatever the threshold is, yeah, the governor has to sign it into law. 
Yeah, and, and the, the the early comments and are not no certain about that, are they? That's gonna happen. <laughs> no. I, my, maybe I'm being Pollyanna here. And the reason I brought that up was yeah. then to override a governor's veto, yeah. you would have to go back and have two thirds majority. Yeah, and, and I guess that's where I was going. I guess I should have mentioned it. I was being pragmatic, or not pragmatic. I'm sorry, I was being a little Pollyanna about it and optimistic because I thought, okay, well, if you had the two thirds majority to override the rules to present the bill. Hopefully, we would have the two-thirds majority to then override the governor if needed, if that makes sense. Yeah. You would think you, you would uh, have you it. better not have any defections. Well, hey. Well, there's no, cause I do have it on good authority that the uh, at, at the very – well, it's not just the House – that the legislature um, is anxiously awaiting the opportunity to override a veto. So, Whether it's related to this or not, I don't know. But the level of acrimony between the governor's office and the legislature is off the charts. And that's pretty well documented. Not asking for your vote, but did you vote in uh, in 2001? In the referendum? Uh, yes, I did. And... Oh, Chase, I, I, I promise I'm not trying to waffle on you here. I think I voted to keep the existing flag only because I hated the op- the alternative. Well, it's I'm a little that, embarrassed to say that right now. Well, no, no, but, no, no, no. That's I mean, a if huge. I'm going to be honest. I'm being honest. That's a huge part of this because I went back and looked. I think my FedEx guy's here, and there's dogs everywhere, but whatever. So I'm going to go through it. <laughs> uh, so I went back and looked, and yeah, I didn't recall that because I was not a voting age. I would have been. I would have been a senior in high school, but I wouldn't have turned 18 yet. I would have been right after that when I turned 18. And um, it was picking one of the two. They, they changed the cannon from a Confederate battle emblem to just kind of a group of stars. And, and I did not recall that as I was researching this. It ended up being 64.3% to uh, 35.6%. And this leads me into where my, my next topic was going to be is I'm scared to death, even though it's closer of a voter re- referendum. I don't really believe in a referendum for this anyway. I think this is something the legislature, legislature should just do. Um, but in saying that, I know it would be closer, and I, I've got a yeah. county by county map here. Um, Monroe County in 2001 went 70 30, keeping the current flag. I asked, uh, county. Uh, I'll go to it right now in a second. I was asking, though, a couple of different Amory people, and I said, What would it be now? And they said, Oh, definitely not that. It would be probably 55 45, 60 40 at most on the new flag. If that's the case, then this thing really does have a shot if those communities get to kind of 50-50. Um, so I found that interesting. In 2001, well, Lafayette... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, forgive me for not remembering his name, but the senator from Alcorn County came out with a statement yesterday that said it was time to change the flag. I mean, you want to talk about a part of the state that uh, yeah, would traditionally um, not vote in that way? Yeah. For, for the elected senator from Alcorn County to come out, I, I thought that was... Uh, thought that took a little fortitude on his behalf. Uh, Lafayette County went 53-46 current flag hmm. in, in 2001. The, was, that a, was that a November election? I thought so. Was it, was it part of a November ballot or was it a special? I thought it was, it, was, uh, it was a November. Well, no, it was a special election. I'll get a date for you in a second. I don't know, honestly. Oh, sorry. April 17, 2001. Got it right here. Okay. April so let, the, let me backtrack. Okay. And tell you that this actually makes me feel a little bit better that I don't re- vividly remember okay. how I voted on that because I should. And it's because I did. Uh, so I went to Ole Miss my freshman year. I was a freshman in the fall of '99, um, and then left for a year and a half and went to a, uh, a small private school in West Tennessee, uh, Freed Hardeman, um, for three semesters. And so the spring of 2001 would have been my last semester there. Um, and so I was not here to vote in April of 2001. Okay. So it's if you know if if, if accuracy and being factual matters, that there, there's my answer. So this looks like an 01, kind of what I thought it would. I was talking to Neil, and I said I really think it would look kind of like a presidential map for the country, where you've got a lot of one color, and then you've got some more highly concentrated areas of another color, and you yeah. hope it comes out to 50-50. And I and I'm pretty much right there. So I'm looking at this. The Delta voted for a new flag almost all like basically all the way up and down the western point side of Mississippi. All the way down was uh, was red, which means new flag, except for Issaquina uh, went for the current flag. Warren went for the current flag. 
and that was it, all the way on that side. And then there was a few pockets of red on the other side, Kemper County, Noxubee County, Octibaha County, and Clay County. The entire rest of the state went blue um, in that in, in that election. The Oxford Exxon Podcast, also brought to you by Dead Soxie. Dead Soxie hopes everyone had an enjoyable Father's Day weekend. If you didn't get your feet's favorite brand of socks, don't miss your opportunity to own some of the limited edition styles still available in limited quantities. Go to deadsoxy.com, check out the limited edition Father's Day styles. Styles are available individually or in bundles. Dead Soxy sincerely appreciates all the feedback that led to offering each style on its own, and they want you to know just how valuable your input is. So go to deadsoxy.com, check out the limited edition Father's Day collection before they are gone, and as always, stay soxy. Our friends at Blue Delta Jeans are very pleased to announce the Blue Delta Studio is open Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. If you have jeans to pick up or you are ready to get measured for your own Blue Delta Jeans, don't hesitate to drop by or reach out to Blue Delta to schedule an appointment. While you're in, don't forget to check out Blue Delta's new line of Georgia Mill duck canvas fabrics. Strong and durable, these are the ultimate made-to-last pants. Info at BlueDeltaJeans.com or on social media at, at Blue Delta Jeans, whichever way is easier for you. Give the Blue Delta Jeans team a shout, and they'll be glad to see you. We're also brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust, based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. They're also home to the Pinnacle Trust 401k advisory services team. Uh, when you work with Pinnacle Trust 401k advisory services, you gain a valuable advisory team and time-saving resource that will help you develop and maintain a solid strategy for your retirement plan. They're committed to providing you with the personalized attention and involvement that you want and need. Their goal is to help you manage your 401k plan properly and ultimately improve your employees' retirement readiness. Call Pinnacle Trust 401k Advisory Services Team and they can conduct a complimentary no-obligation benchmarking and analysis of your current 401k plan. Mention that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the Oxford Exxon Podcast. You'll get 10% off your first year's fees. And we're brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Thinking about getting away, been about four months of uh, lockdown. You want to get out. You want to go see what's happening in the world, but you want to deal. You want uh, you want it to also be a vacation that you remember that creates a lifetime of unique memories. Well, I suggest you get in touch with John Edwards. He's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. What you do is you call, you give him a budget, you give him some parameters, he'll give you options, and you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or send him an email, Edwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. And we're brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles, great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. And we're brought to you by Oxford University Bank, OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB gives you the comfort of home, all the benefits the big mega banks provide, all the technology and products you want, but with the personal touch. They also have a commercial checking account, now paying 1% interest as long as you keep $10,000 in the account. It comes with fully interactive online banking. They can help set up any local business to deposit checks from their office and not have to worry with coming to the bank daily to deposit those checks. More than likely, any business owner at another bank is now paying a monthly fee for their account, and they're most assuredly not making 1% on that money. To learn more, go to liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. And we're brought to you by the law firm of Bain, Moss, and Bowen, PLLC. Located in historic downtown Corinth, Mississippi, their firm practices a wider range of law, from DUI defense to car wrecks to representing government entities. Bain, Moss, and Bowen PLLC is the only firm in Mississippi, I should say, that is made up of a sitting state legislator, a former assistant district attorney, and a former circuit judge. Their experience is unmatched in that regard, and you can tap into it by visiting them at 618 East Waldron Street in Corinth or by calling them at 662-287-1620. A free background check is available upon request. 
Well, and just thinking through that, I mean, if you if you look at it now, uh, there's no question in my mind. If, if we're going red for change the flag in, in your color scheme, is that uh, right? That is the current color scheme in this, yes. Okay, so Lafayette County would vote to change the flag. DeSoto County, I think, would vote to change the flag. Uh, the entirety of the Delta would vote to change it. Hines County would vote to change it. Madison County, I think, would be close. I do, too. Um, what would the coast do? The, the three coast counties would vote to change it. Okay. Uh, now, if you go one county to the north of those three coast counties, I think it would be overwhelmingly the other way. Sure. Um, you know, I, I would be really fascinated to know what the Golden Triangle would look like. Um, you know, so what are you talking about? Octibaha, Lowndes, and Clay County that's over there as well? Yeah, that's West Point. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, so I, I tend to think that those would vote toward changing it. Um, I think Northeast Mississippi would probably look blue on that map for the most part. Um, I think... You know, as you kind of worked your way south on the eastern border of the state, uh, really until you got down to the coast counties, I, I think you'd be looking at uh, a lot of blue on that map. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there's part of me that wants to think that surely we've advanced enough as a state and people's minds have changed enough that um, we would. But, but I, I mean, to back to your original point, what are we voting on? Are we voting between See, two? You can't vote two between flags? two flags. You have are to we vote voting, between get rid new, of this one yeah. or another one or what? Yeah, we, we, you're voting on. I think you're voting on whether to decommission the current flag. I think that gives you the best chance to pass it. Because yeah, we start giving one more design as an option, and then you're getting into the people who go. Well, I'm voting for. To, I, I don't mind a new flag, but I hate that flag. You know what I mean? Like the, the hell with that. Yeah. I, that. That's not. That's not the point. Well, and to me, the, I mean, going back to we're talking about referendum stuff, obviously, but the the, the legislature's got to do this, and they've got to. And you say, well, we're supposed to be the voice of the people. No, no, that that's not entirely accurate. I mean, yes, you're supposed to represent your constituencies, but you chose to run for an office to be a leader for the state of Mississippi. And I love when people want to want to pick nits at that. Oh, they're not leaders; they're elected officials. No, no, you 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 voted for them to be one of the leaders of the state to help shape policy, to help make difficult decisions. So why is it that this difficult decision? All I mean, I, I didn't hear anybody saying, you know what, with this CARES Act money, this one point two billion dollars that's got to be spent by November. I didn't hear anybody saying, let's let the people of Mississippi vote on how it should be spent. There was a fight over it, yeah, but it was between the governor and, and the legislature. They loved the idea of who held the, pur- the purse strings there. And, you know, with other difficult decisions that have to be made about the state of Mississippi, they stepped to the plate to make those decisions. And so I can't help but look at this issue and go, the only reason you don't want to make this decision is because you're looking for political cover and you want to get reelected. And you're convinced that voting one way or the other may cost you re-election. And so you just want to engage in the world's biggest cop-out and say, oh, we're going to let the people decide because the people decided in 2001. The people didn't decide in 1894. Uh, if, if we want to start going, yeah. well, well, this is how it's been done in the past. Eh, not really. Not really. It's just convenient for you to say, now let's let the people decide. It's lazy <laughs> and it's weak and it's spineless, and it shows an incredible lack of leadership to say, you know what, and, and I mean, look, I'm talking about the governor in this. To a certain extent, I'm talking about the lieutenant governor. I applaud Speaker Gunn for having the, uh, the gumption to very publicly say this is how we've got to do it. But he pointed out when we talked the other day, he said, Richard, he said, we can't have Father's Day if we don't have the votes for it. He said, the way the legislature, you either have the votes or you don't. And so it, I can stand... And you know, bang the gavel and yell and scream till I'm blue in the face. But we either have the votes or we don't. Yeah, that's where we are. You mentioned uh, Nick Bain, the uh, representative from Alcorn County. Alcorn that's County in Thank 2001, 84 percent current flag. 84 percent. It's one of the biggest ones. It's very dark blue on the map I'm staring at here. Yeah, Etowah County uh, was 89. I in, mean, there's in, a few in politics. Darker. What I mean, 50. I mean, fifty six forty four is a, a landslide. landslide. Yeah, in an election. Yeah, 
Yeah. 84-16, I mean, you, you don't get that unopposed. <laughs> yeah, I'm only getting – and on the flip side, there's a lot of dark blue back in 01 like that where it was that kind of cover. There was only one red that was that dark, and that was Jefferson County. They went 82-17 uh, and some percentage points <laughs> for, a, uh, for a new flag. So, I mean, kind of wrapping a bow on this part, how close do you think they are to the votes? I mean, what are you hearing? I mean, I, I talk to people, you talk to people. I mean, I'm – I'm beginning to wonder if we're going to have to get into a new session when the new year comes because they just can't get the two-thirds majority to suspend the rules at this point. They, they probably have a majority, but there's a huge difference in a majority and a two-thirds majority to actually get this thing moving. Yeah. Um, so I was texting yesterday with uh, with one of our elected officials that's in a, a leadership position, and I said, uh, tell me what's going on. He's like, a lot of thoughtful conversation and whatnot. And I was like, okay, thanks for the political answer. Now tell me yeah. what's going on. And his response bothered me, and then it gave me a little bit of pause for courage because he said initially, not Jack, and then he followed it up with, yet. There, th- this is not – okay, so Chase, you and I and lots of people that are listening to this, we want this to be the one thing that the legislature's focused on. Do this. Yeah. Get it done. That's that's not the reality right now. They've got today and three more days left in session, and I think there's like four hundred million dollars worth of CARES Act money that still has to be allocated. This is not the only thing going on. It certainly is the biggest hot button issue, and has created a, a time crunch for them. Uh, you know, as, as we sit here today, I, I haven't talked to anyone today that makes me think one way or the other the votes are there or not. Um, but you know, if uh, if you're a House of Cards fan, this this is a time where you you wish you had uh, Frank Underwood whipping votes uh, because you know he, he'd get it done one way or the other. Um, maybe not in the the nicest way. I think, look, the bottom line is you want to get this done, and it turns into a little bit longer thing. It's turning it's going to turn into a money issue like everything else. You know, whose whose reelection campaigns are you going to bankroll? You know what, what? What promises are going to be made financially? To, and and I'm not talking about under the. I'm talking about stuff that's legal. But there are ways to buy influence to get the desired results. And you know, is the business community going to step up that knows there needs to be a flag? Or are the uh, you know financial players that are active in politics in the state of Mississippi are they going to step up and and spend the money necessary to do both a, a massive and and well choreographed marketing campaign while simultaneously making the promises or funding re-election campaigns that need to happen to get this done. I mean, I mean that's kind of the, it's kind of like pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. That's how this deal works though. If it doesn't get done right now. I mean, if it's, if it's towards the, you know, January or, or whatever it is, there's going to be a massive lobbying effort probably in both directions. And and it'll turn into oh god, it's gonna be so ugly. Can can the legislature please fix this? You don't have to give us a new flag. Just just vote this one out. Yeah, just no flag right now is fine. Take it down. Put something within God we trust on or something up there. I don't know. Do whatever. Do whatever you want. But I mean, how, how successful can the university community and all the people that are you know supporters of the athletics and whatever? I mean, how how effective can they be at whipping votes this week to get this thing moving? Had somebody tell me that if it got really, really close, like they were within a couple of votes, then they would reach out to the press, persuasive people within the university communities, and try to bring them in. Okay. Yeah, I mean, who, who is that? I mean, is that you know Keith Carter and Wayne Kiffin and Kermit Davis and John Cohen and probably not Mike Leach? Um, you know, who, whoever that last person is. Uh, you know, Mark Keenum is incredibly savvy politically. Uh, you can like the guy or not like the guy, but in terms of politics in the state of Mississippi, he is dialed in uh, on behalf of Mississippi State. Um, Ole Miss has not had that yeah. uh, since Robert Kyatt. Uh, hasn't had anything close to that since Robert Kyatt. So, um I think I just avoided whatever question it was you That's asked. All right. Yeah. No, it's all good. What do you think of Boyce to this point? Jobby's done. What's your opinion? Um, I think he's made some strong decisions. I mean, 
Well, you you want to talk about having to eat a poop sandwich? He's uh, he's had steady diet of those since he's uh, gotten the job. Um, you know, just with with one issue after another. I mean, you you got to change a football coach, you got to hire an athletics director, you got to uh, you know make the decisions related to uh, coronavirus, COVID, you know, shutting the school down, having to deal with budget stuff, having to deal with the IHL, having to deal with the statute and moving that and. Uh, now you get the the state flag issue. I, I think given what he has had to deal with, and especially, I, I don't know if you and I talked about this. I, I compared Glenn Boyce when he was hired to Gray Kessinger as a freshman. He dug a hole so deep for himself that even if he hit 450 for the last two months of the season, he was still going to be a 200 hitter that year. And I kind of felt like that's the hole that Glenn Boyce had to try and dig himself out of because of the way his you know tenure began. Uh, I mean, you and I were in the same room there at uh, the end yeah. of Ole Miss for uh, for that introductory press conference that was going to happen and it didn't happen. Um, yeah, for, 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 forget a mandate. He was negative capital. Yeah, yeah. That's the same. Like he went he went over thirty eight to start the season, and you know was then just trying to get back to respectability, but. In terms of the, the decisions he's had to make, there really haven't been any missteps so far. The, the, the one criticism, and I mean, if he were sitting here, I would say this. The, I, I don't think he has been public enough. Yeah. But the, he has not communicated well to this point publicly. Or, or yeah, internally, and, even to faculty, honestly. And, uh, you know, the, the thing chased me is, though, everybody, like, without question, 100% is the number of the people that I have talked to who have dealt with him one-on-one, yeah. whether you're talking about a donor or a professor or an administrator or an elected official or a coach. One-on-one, everybody comes away with a positive impression. Now, I, I don't think you can one-on-one your way to 25,000 students, so, you know, 250,000 alumni. Sure. But... There is apparently some strategy in the way that he has approached his first year in office, which we've not gotten to a full year yet, obviously. Um, and I, I think he has chosen to take more of a one-on-one approach with uh, some important donors, some important stakeholders within and, with, and outside the university community as well. Um, you know, he's he's kind of let his people do their job too. Uh, he was he was tied up on Friday and sent a message back that, uh, you know, Keith Carter can, can speak on uh, on my behalf on this issue, issue with regard to the flag. And I thought, wow, I mean, th- there's not a bigger hot-button topic anywhere right now than this, and you're just saying, I trust my athletics director to speak on my behalf, on the university's behalf. Well, and that's, um, frankly, that's that's the, that's a that's a chancellor or president or whatever you want to call them, move in general. you got to trust your people. The provost can handle the academic stuff. Your athletic director handles the athletic stuff, and then I fundraise, and I handle big decisions, and I find and I figure out maneuverings, and I'm be a politician. In a lot of ways, that's what a yeah. chancellor or a president is, because that's what the one thing I give Boyce credit for above all else. And I mean, I was, I mean, as, as he was being hired, I was probably one of the bigger thorns in his side from a media standpoint. <laughs> is the IHL is what we have to work with right now? It is right, wrong, and different. It's the thing that Ole Miss has to go through. You do have a, per- a person who appears to have Ole Miss's best interest in mind, who fights for policy through the IHO with Ole Miss, but has enough working knowledge of that board and relationships of that board to figure out some compromises and different things. That's what I've been talking about all week with the monument. That thing easily could have been voted no. It was going to be voted no in January, if not for Tom Duff. Voice being able to kind of whip a couple votes on the IHO board and figure out, okay, we're not going to get everything we want. It's not going to be exactly right. But how do we get this done? That's a huge thing that, frankly, the you know, I mean, Dan Jones to an extent, the way that thing ended, and then Jeffrey Vitter, they just couldn't work with the IHL, and that's a that's a big deal. You can't give in to the IHL, but you've got to work with the IHL. Yeah, you're, you're right. And you know, we we how many members are on the IHL board? I can't remember. Uh, it's 12? twelve or eight. It's twelve. It's twelve. Yeah. I'm not sure that the board is as uh, look. I mean, the IHL made plenty of mistakes, uh, and and has done so not just at Ole Miss but at, at other universities as well. And they're well documented. Sure. This is an unpopular opinion, 
I'm not sure that the IHL board is as unfriendly to Ole Miss as some people want to make it. You, know, you, you mentioned Tom Duff a second ago. Uh, I mean, yes, he's a Southern Miss grad, but his businesses have been very supportive of Ole Miss, the University of Mississippi. Uh, I know Dr. Ford Dye, who's currently the president of the board, has you know not real high favorability with Ole Miss fans, but he doesn't want ill for Ole Miss. No, I mean, I know he, he wants to see it do well. Um, you know, Anne, Anne Lamar is friendly to Ole Miss. Shane Hooper is friendly to Ole Miss. Um, I, mean, what, I guess I named four. Yeah, uh, you know, there there may be some others uh, as well. Just not sure. It and, is... and, golly, I mean, far be it for me to be the one that's coming to the defense of the <laughs> IHL. I think it's an antiquated model uh, that is not good for any. See, okay. well, that's not, that's not true. Not good for old business. Big say you you hit two things there. One, and I make I'm, and I make this mistake. I always speak of the IHL as this one entity. It's twelve different opinions, twelve different people. It's nothing. Maybe they take a vote and it ends up unanimous at the end of the day, but nothing's ever that simple. It's always, hey, trying to figure out a way to get to seven. And then two, it's the antiquated system. It's the formulas used for funding. It's the way that so many different things are on the books that are unfair to Ole Miss in some ways, or at least could be better to Ole Miss in other ways. And it puts either the board members or strictly the way the procedures work in really weird spots as they try to govern and make decisions and move this thing through into 2020. That's the thing. I agree with everything you said there. You know, so that's the yeah, that's the thing. I, I do think that's probably. I mean, yeah, and again, I'm not necessarily but, but, propping but, but up the you IHL. Agree with what I was saying that the, the IHL, despite what some people think, is not actively out to get Ole Miss. Well, there's no pragmatic way that that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like, what what good does that do anybody? Yeah. You know, and now you know, look, the whole thing needs to be. But kind you of also would out. agree that that sentiment is out there, right? Yeah, and I. It's just like about so many things. It's so much more complicated than that. Um, you know, because you almost kind of get into, well, you wish that person's voice was tr- stronger. You wish this person's voice was stronger. I think some of the IHL issues, when you have all universities or at least multiple universities represented, is I think there's a chance for mul- for a few different people to overpower everybody else, if you will. You agree with that? Where hey, I wish sure. this guy or this guy, or I, I wish these things worked out where at least our voice was a little louder in that room. Put it that way. But a lot of stuff ends up being decided by the Ole Miss people or the state people for the state stuff. I mean, there's a lot of times on the IHL where they just go, hey, you kind of handle your stuff, we'll handle ours, and you just kind of go with this. Cool? All right, we'll all move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like the, the you know the people that end up on it that are state alumni, they're not, hey, I'm trying to screw over my school in this process. That doesn't make a lot of sense. No, they're not necessarily actively trying to help either, but you no, know, no, no. I think I think generally the thought is just kind of get out of the way, and I think that was some of the frustration that uh, you know existed during the chancellor search is that you know maybe in the way that the oldest people on the board just kind of got out of the way and let the IHL go through the motions of, of getting to Dr. Keenum to hire him because he was always going to be the president at Mississippi State, yeah. you know when when that opportunity presented itself, and you know it was just kind of a uh, you know, a rubber stamp process for for that one. That maybe there was not as much of just get out of the way and let the Ole Miss people make the decision and then rubber stamp whatever it is that they want. I think maybe that was the source of frustration for uh, for some people, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, well, I tried to put some of that episode out of my mind. Well, like say it's been seven months ago, whatever it was, eight months ago. Some of it too was simply. Has that anything they, happened in the last eight months? I mean, it, it feels like eight years ago. Like I, I, I can't. I can't even fathom the last time because I'll be honest, Richard. You know, the last few football games we were doing like that hand raised guys show and stuff. I don't even remember the last football game I sat all the way through at this point. I, I couldn't tell you a score. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah, sure. Would Ole Miss have been playing for to uh, clinch a national championship trophy tonight? <laughs> I, I don't know. Is this airing on Tuesday? Uh, no, I'm putting Wednesday? this up as soon as we're done. Um, okay. So yeah, Monday afternoon. Yeah. <sighs> I told so, so game one of the championship series would have been last night. Someone would have the opportunity to clinch a national title tonight in college baseball. Would it have been all this? Take a break in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage located in Oxford, Memphis, Central County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. They're getting local underwriting and understand your market. A leader in condo financing in Oxford and the flow down option where you can lock in the current rate, but if rates go down before you close, 
you get the lower rate. 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy on South Lamar in Oxford. Also Tyson Drugs on the Square in Holly Springs. Both those locations are open for regular business hours. Tyson's is utilizing a walk-up window. And G&M is offering curbside service there in Oxford. Both stores are dedicated to local delivery and still able to deliver same day as well. 662-236-2222. The podcast brought to you by Visit Oxford. VisitOxfordMS.com is the website. Click the very top so you have to support Oxford during COVID-19. You can see a list of all retailers, restaurants with curbside with delivery options to uh, help you out there if you need that list. Also ways to support hospitality workers who are out of jobs right now in Oxford between Tupper Roulette and some other options that you have. Again, visit OxfordMS.com. Podcast also brought to you by Special Orthopedic Group. They are open in Tupelo and Oxford. You can skip the ER for urgent ortho-related injuries at both locations. They're offering, offering virtual health telemedicine. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Patients have 24-hour access to appointments at 662 767 4200 or SOGMS.com. No referral is needed. Walk-ins are welcome. And then last but not least, we're brought to you by In-House Interior and Design, 662-681-6241. You can call. You can text. They are available for you. I talked to Nikki this week. They've been picking up more clients because people are home right now. They're seeing things around their house they want to change. They want to fix up. They offer new client gifts. They offer dorm room appointments whenever that does uh, come with discounts as well. So you can find out more. Text or call 662-681-6241. No, I had – I think Ole Miss would have either lost in a Super Regional or been one of the first teams out of Omaha this season. That's where I had them. I thought they would have been geared up for next year. I was – here's what we were cheated from, from a baseball standpoint. We were cheated out of watching this really cocky and a great way team, kind of had some swagger about them, whatever, whatever the word you want to use. Young guys that, frankly, didn't know any better in a, in, a, in a great way. We missed the chance for them to get popped in the mouth for a couple of weeks and then respond to it. I was going to be so interested in that group when they did get hit a little bit and they lost some games and they found kind of found that second wind again because I think it would have been a fun team. I think Ole Miss is really going to miss their video from a leadership, from an energy standpoint. I, I thought that team was built for the marathon of a season, and I thought that they were going to – win a lot of games, have a chance to get to the College World Series, and really set themselves up mentally for 2021. That's kind of yeah. what I thought. That's, that's sort of where I was at with them. It's also the Aren't first you, time. Debbie Downer? I thought they were winning it all. Well, okay. You can, that's Carry fine. the trophy off tonight. You're just trying to get number one on Mike's media poll. Um, <laughs> Wait, is that is that a thing? He always makes jokes about it at the – Opening day press conference thing. Yeah, it's like a. Um, no, I look, I, I don't know if this was an Omaha team. I was a, a little amused to kind of watch the way fan reaction changed from going into the season to, to four weeks in. Uh, and now the I mean, revisionist history, history is. The, and by the way, sorry for hijacking this. I don't know if this is the no, direction you want to go at all. all good. But, um, anyway, love college baseball, so here we are. Yeah. Um, it's not like you have three hours to talk about whatever you want to coming up in a little while. Yeah, I, I know. Um, but no, the, uh, the the thing was like when it was over, and it was like there's no more baseball. Everybody was like, oh, "Golly, the best team we've ever had!" And you know, season ends, you know, sixteen and one and top five in the country. And this was an Omaha team. It was like, uh, do you know how you were describing this team four weeks ago or or six weeks ago? Uh, because it wasn't, oh, this was an Omaha team. It's like, who are these guys? But they were fun. And Chase, this was the first year since 2000 that I did not actually broadcast an Ole Miss baseball game, okay. and it was just a it was just a function of schedules. I mean, the, the basketball season kind of got crazy at the end for me from a travel standpoint. Uh, I saw three or four of them in person. I, I think I went with my family to opening day and was able to stay two innings before I had to run to the airport. Um, I took my daughter to the last Sunday home game before the season ended, uh, whoever that was against. And maybe there was one other game that I went. I, mean, I watched a bunch of them. I followed them all. But just from a schedule standpoint, no radio, no TV, no you know SEC Network Plus. So it was kind of was a weird season for me regardless but they were so much fun. And and I don't remember the last time 
you would say about an Ole Miss baseball team, man, that was just a fun team. Maybe when you go back to uh, you know, Coglin at third and Cozart at short and was that Evan Button at second? At say time? For, for me, it was 2009, but I understand what you mean. Um, it's been a while. They there there wasn't this level of personality and energy across the field. They almost almost baseball got a little it, a lot of really good guys that frankly got a little robotic on the field for a lot of years. Yeah, all right. So Chase, so I've got a ten year old daughter, yeah, and a seven year old son and a three year old, and they all love going to baseball. And Jane loves taking the kids. Like even when I'm working, she yeah. will take kids the kids to baseball games. We, we is obviously because I'm working, but football is just too much of a hassle kind of enjoy basketball they all love baseball even if it's cold they'll bundle up and go for a few innings okay and my kids were just like randomly talking about kale baker they didn't know who kale baker was three weeks before but he was kind of the big guy that looked a little bit different and hit it a long way and always was smiling and you know i, I just thought that was kind of a neat vibe that this team had and you know certainly would have been cool to see where it went uh, i mean yeah, look I'm, I'm not turning this into a, uh, a Mike Bianco conversation at all. I, I was happy for him with the extension, and I think that was 100% the right move. Um, but not all of his teams are fun. They're all good. There was never a fall off the cliff. Moment, but they, they weren't always fun to watch. You know, this baseball was fun, but the teams themselves and the style of play was This one was. And uh, it's uh, it, it, it's a little disappointing that it uh, that it ended the way it did. It's been a little more fun the last few years style of play wise. I thought there after fourteen there was the huge lull for a little while where yeah they were good to an extent but they were boring. Fifteen, yeah. sixteen, seventeen, somewhere in there. Kids grew up. I mean, just because of a talent level standpoint, I thought Gray and Thomas and all them their last year was at least fun. Um, oh, I no, I would agree with that. I, I would agree with that. Uh, no, no question. Um, because, I mean, every time Thomas Taylor came to the plate, you knew there was a chance of how far is that ball going to go. Um, you know, you, you knew there was a chance every time you went to the ballpark that Greg Kessinger was going to make a play at shortstop where you had to pick your jaw off the ground. And you go, how did he do that? Or, how did he get there? Or, uh, you know, how did he make that throw? Um, so, so, yes, I, I certainly would agree with that. But when you kind of go up and down the lineup and you look at the makeup, it, you know, the, I, I would argue, I'm kind of changing directions on you, sure. the most underappreciated thing in the 20 years that Mike Bianco has been the head coach is the fact that his weekend rotation has always been solid. It hasn't always been great. It hasn't always been dominating. But you never felt like going into a Friday night, we got no shot. And there's some schools that you look at, yeah, no shot when you step on the field on Friday night. Yeah. Whether it was a great offensive team or, or a not so great offensive team. Now, you know, have there been some years where you, golly, if there was just one more starter that you could finish out the rotation, or if there was one more arm out of the bullpen. Well, welcome or, to SEC baseball. Yeah, I mean, might didn't time. manage the bullpen, or, or you know, he left somebody in too long, or just pulled, you know, didn't took somebody out too soon. All, all those questions are always up for debate. But in terms of a front-end starter, there's always been one, even in years where you weren't sure if there was going to be one. And frankly, made a lot out of guys that, from a development standpoint, I mean, Ole Miss threw David Parkinson on Friday and Saturday there for a little while. I mean, not to pick you up, but you know what I mean? Do what? If you want to, I said, how about Will Klein? If you want yeah. to rewind and, and think about what his first two years were, and you would have teammates of his when you would talk to him. Hey, he's got the best stuff on the staff. Will Klein, he's yeah. the nastiest guy we've got. Period. Yeah, uh, he's got a nine ERA. He gets rocked every, and then he's a Friday night starter, and he's locked down. And what? It all turned for him in a in a Governor's Cup game. He went out and pitched the best game that he had pitched of his entire career. It was like he found something, and then the next year he's the Friday night guy. Yeah, they were able to parlay that for a few years like that. Wasn't didn't, didn't Fowler do that one year too? We're all just kind of rambling now and talking, but it seemed like there was a couple years in a row where they were able to kind of get the mayor's trophy or governor's cup or whatever it was called at that point, and then kind of run it through. No, you you know you're going to get a rotation. You know you're going to get a team that doesn't suck, and I, and I mean that in a good way. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean his his worst year is thirteen and seventeen. He's done that once. Yeah, I think. Look around the league and and, 
everybody has had. I mean, the it, even Arkansas year. under Dave Van Horn has had a year where they fell off. They yeah. got it back quickly, but they had a year where they fell off. LSU said, eh, did, did they have a like a 12 and 18 one year? They went 13 and 17 and 11 when they didn't make the postseason. I do not remember one below that, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Okay. I'll, I'll take your word on that. I mean, Auburn's had it. Obviously, Alabama's had it. Mississippi State's had it. State's had several. Uh, yeah. There for a while, Cohen was either good or god awful. Yeah. There wasn't much metal. Well, right. it, it was kind of a Day Perno deal for a little while. Um, where it was just back and forth, back and forth, wow. back and forth. Yeah, you know, cause he had that he had that six year run where he either went to Omaha or missed Hooper. One or the other. Kind of like Rod Del Monaco, Tennessee. Yeah, they'd like to have that one back, wouldn't they? Actually I actually think Ooh. they're doing a pretty good job now, but um I don't Oh yeah, lo- and, and Tony Vitello's done a fantastic I don't job. love him at every program, but I think he's a good fit there. I think that works well. I do. I think Vitello's done a good job, and he will continue to do Isn't he like condo in downtown Knoxville and drives a Maserati in a single? Oh, is it? I don't know. Is that true? I think I heard that somewhere along the way. Oh. You know what's good, good, good for him. What's funny about the Mike thing, and I'm right, and I'm with you. He should have gotten the extension. I have no issue. I think they fixed some contractual stuff in his in his contract that was that was not good that needed to be repaired. I think I think that worked out perfectly. I think Keith did exactly what I would have done or what should have been done. I will say though, it's kind of funny. Is so much of the teeth gnashing about Mike has been you know postseason play and and what you do after the regular season, and yet we don't have a postseason, and that's when he gets the you know the the, the extension back out and whatever. So in a lot of ways, it's almost kind of unfair to Mike because he had no ability to prove that he had you know taken a multi year step toward fixing that issue. Although I think he has. I, I, I he might tell me I'm crazy, but I've talked to people around Mike um, about this. I think everything clicked for him differently. The couple last weekends of the regular season last year, they went to Tennessee. And remember how they got popped the first two days and then won mm-hmm. and kind of went on that run. He was talking to them after the um, – after the or before the game, I guess, on that Saturday. And basically was like, hey, just go have fun. Just, hey, you're here, whatever, chill out. And it kind of worked. And the next day it was like, okay, chill out again, just play. I, I think sometimes – for a long time, he had the ability to kind of pressure them, for them not to relax. I thought they played tight. I thought I thought there was a switch that flipped into Mike late in 2019 that he had found a way to also carry carry into the current year that, that they got canceled and also kind of understand this generation a little bit. You can't coach, and I don't mean this positively or negatively for this generation, but you can't coach them necessarily the way you coach Chris Coggle and Drew Pomeranz every day. It just won't work, and that's like any team. Not all 35 members can be coached the same way. you got to figure out what, what, what buttons to push. You couldn't coach Drew and Nathan Baker the same way, and I think Mike's gotten better, much better at identifying that. I would agree with that. And you know, the, the scar tissue from Tennessee Tech, uh, one, may have taken a little while to wear off, but two, I, I think you learned from that. And I, I know you're talking about fast-forwarding to the, the end of the following year, but it may have it may have kind of been a work in progress all season, and it may have kind of gotten to the end of that 19 season where he realized, like, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether I'm tight or not inside, I can't be on the outside. That They've got to see something different from me. And, uh, I, again, I go back to, you know, I know Mike Clement and Carl Lafferty have talked about it a lot. They had a great locker room this past year. And, uh, maybe it's in, in separate conversations with those two guys that I mentioned that I've heard both of them talk about John Rice Plumley and Jerry and Ely. Like nobody like grows up dreaming of being a pinch runner, but a good pinch runner can be the difference in a win or two over the course of a season, which can be the difference in hosting or not hosting. It could be the difference of being a top eight seed. And those guys had just kind of embraced the roles. And there's that. That's the thing to me that's sad about what was lost this year is there, there's no guarantee that you can recapture the locker room that you had, even when you've got mostly the same guys coming back. Uh, you know, hopefully that's the case, and that you know, going to 2021, things will be, you know, whatever they are in terms of normal, and they'll be able to kind of recapture what they had. Certainly, they're not going to lack for confidence going into the start of a new season. Um, do you know for sure? I, I have heard, but don't know that I've heard it officially that they're going to keep the schedule exactly as it was this year, since no league games were played. You have Is that more, your understanding. You have more idea than me. I know nothing about that whatsoever. 
I mean, it would stand to reason. I mean, uh, Ole Miss would benefit from them going ahead and, and shifting one year forward. Yeah, because the schedule sucked for uh, them this year. Oh. Yeah, because it was ridiculous. But, you know, you, you look at the schedule that Ole Miss was going to have to play this year. Yes, you've still got Florida on it. Florida's going to be the preseason number one team in the country. Yeah, they're going to be But okay. all of a sudden, Georgia's not nearly as good in terms of arms as what they had. Did Wilcox yeah, Vanderbilt's sign? still going to be good, but they're going to be good regardless. Did Wilcox sign? I don't know. Okay. I was I was shocked that he went as late as he did. Yeah, but um, I think even taking him there, they probably had some. Not maybe not a deal, but they had some idea they could get that done. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, A and M is not going to be as good. No. Uh, I'm I'm just kind of ho hum on LSU big picture. No, it's a uh, retool. Got to replace Tanner Burns. Yeah. Um, they so, lo- they they lost the offensive kid to uh, Arizona State. It just slipped in my mind too this week. Auburn. I'm forgetting his name. Forgive me. They, yeah, they lost. You'll have to forgive me on that. State. So whatever. Uh, no, no, no. They're they're they're. I mean, they're going to come back. I mean, I I got flogged on Twitter for this, and I didn't say they were better than Florida. I didn't say they were better than Vanderbilt. But they're going to come back with a top three rotation in the SEC with those two programs. It's Ole Miss, which it's, gives you a top five rotation nationally. Yeah, it's Ole Miss, Florida, and Vanderbilt from a rotation standpoint because I think Derek Diamond's going to be much better. I think Nikhazy's going to be good, and I think Gunnar Hoglund is going to be damn good. So. And I think they've got him in the right order. I think you just let Hoagland go on Saturday and hope he pulls one of those Christian Trent 2014 kind of seasons. Hmm. I think that's probably the plan there, if I if I just had to yeah. guess. So. Uh, last thing, football, what are you hearing? Kind of spot of being a season? What's, what, what's going on? What's your guess? I'm less optimistic now than I was three weeks ago. Uh, I'm not like doomsday scenario. I, I, I think they're going to do everything they can to play football. Uh, I'm not – necessarily kneel on terms of uh, of COVID where I think it's a hoax but and I realize I'm putting words in his no, mouth there uh, I'm being a little uh, uh, hyperbolic but um, you know I, I think some of the outbreaks are worrisome um, I mean but for, for the people that are like oh my gosh everybody's got people testing positive well then if you didn't think that was going to be the case three weeks ago you aren't using your brain when you bring college kids back to campuses, when you start to open up the country, positive tests are going to happen. And uh, I heard Neil reference Clay Travis yesterday. I mean, yes, the, the numbers are up in Florida in terms of positive tests. But you know what's down? Hospitalizations and, and ICU beds. Yeah. And that, that's a positive. And I'm not saying that 100% of the time this is the case, but generally speaking, when college kids get COVID, they – feel bad for a couple of days and then they get better and two weeks later they're good and that's going to be the case for the football players that are testing positive at Ole Miss and at LSU and at Mississippi State and Alabama and Georgia and all over the country um, I think they've got a pretty good plan in place on how to handle it um, I'm a little worried about the state of Texas and some of the comments from Governor Abbott over the last, uh, last couple of days about things trending in the wrong direction and that not being acceptable there because I felt like that's where the optimism was coming from, uh, especially for that season opener where you were talking about 50% stadium capacity, which is probably about what the attendance for that game against Baylor was going to be regardless. I mean, what, 74,000 seats, thinking thirty-five to 40,000 actual? Might have been a little bit bigger than that, but the people that really want to go to that game, if it's played, are going to be able to go. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see a, a 25% capacity scenario in the SEC, though. It, it, it just it's not going to work financially uh i think the minimum yeah assuming we play i think the minimum you're going to see is 50 percent. and you know again three weeks ago or a month ago whatever the exact time frame is i was convinced that they were just going to say y'all come and we're going to put kind of a personal responsibility clause on the uh, on the ticket with all those other disclaimers that nobody reads um you know you're you're attending games at your own risk and, you know, if you don't feel like you need to be here, then you need to make the decision not to come this year. Uh, I hope that's where we end up. I'm a little less optimistic about that. I'm especially sensitive to the local economic impact that uh, goes along with this. I mean, my, my wife owns a women's clothing store on the square. Yeah. Um, and I know how devastating COVID-19 has been to the business community. And as bad as it's been, uh, not having a football season with fans would be even worse. Yeah, no, just no, would. Well, what are you uh, what are you talking about today? 
Um, my guess is we'll have some discussion about the flag. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Major League Baseball. Um, boy, what a debacle that's been. Yep. Um, kind of coming back, uh, pretty pretty powerful scenes out of NASCAR uh, yesterday. That was that was so cool, and then a really good race. And boy, you want to talk about an illustration of how badly people want stuff back? I mean, you, you've got non-racing fans all over the place who glued in to the last. 15 minutes of that race and came away going, man, that was awesome. I'm one of them. I was like, I almost kind of like screamed and jumped out of a chair at the end of it. And I couldn't give two craps about NASCAR. Five wide with a wreck coming across the finish line and third place has his ass slide across the line to get third place. It was the perfect race for all the people that don't care about NASCAR to turn in and watch. Perfect. You're at Talladega. We'll get a race. We'll do the whole thing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And, and look, it, to me, the, the most, you know, the, the people made a lot of the, you know, walking the, uh, the, the car down the track to start things for, yeah. uh, for Bubba Wa- uh, Wallace. Wallace. Yeah. Not Bubba Watson, Bubba Wallace. Um, to me, the, the, the part of that scene that will be the lasting image for me, and, and I don't know what his politics are in terms of progressiveness or what he's believed in the past, but to see the king, Richard Petty, and, and I'm not a racing guy, and jeans and boots and a white shirt with a black leather vest and that big cowboy yeah. hat as that car came to a stop and Bubba Wallace climbs out and he just sits on the window of his car with his feet still in the driver's seat and he puts his head down just overcome with emotion and Richard Petty who is you know I mean you know argue Richard Petty Dale Earnhardt Sr. however you want to yeah. but the, man the most famous he, alive NASCAR per entity and he walks up, and he just puts his hand on the shoulder, and he leans down and whispers something. And just to me, that is the image that will will last with me. That that says to me, and as bad as stuff is, we got a chance. Yeah, we we, we can we can get to a point where maybe the color of your skin just doesn't matter. Yeah, I hope that's where we can get. Well, appreciate it. Uh, again, you're on air here in a little bit. I'll get this up, so uh, let you tease that. And uh, again, let's do it again soon, bud. Appreciate it. That was fun. Thanks for the offer or the uh, invitation.